Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, The Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is July 9th, 2018. We live in an age obsessed with healthy food choices, and I am of an age when I should be making them. However, on Saturday, I threw caution to the wind and walked down to our local pizza shop to pick up dinner. The manager was having a tough evening. A steady buzz of phone calls suggested demand was strong. However, the nice woman operating both the cash register and the phones seemed new to the job and not knowing quite how to operate the former was clearly neglecting the latter. The manager was multitasking, trying to explain the register to her, while simultaneously tossing pizza dough and showing another new employee the fastest way to spread cheese on the pie. Adding to his stress, one of his drivers had gone AWOL on a relatively nearby delivery, and he was trying to explain to another driver, an elderly gentleman with limited English skills, how to get to the Lowell Road. Meanwhile, as I waited patiently, and new customers came barging through the doors, a bright sign swung in the breeze above my head, advertising the fact that new drivers could earn $15 to $20 an hour. In fairness, the manager was doing a great job and the pizza was fine. However, on display in that shop on Saturday were all the pressures and distortions generated by today's full employment economy. Normally, in an economic expansion, wages accelerate as companies scramble to find good workers. Labor force participation rates rise as people get lured back into the labor market by promises of easier job searches and higher wages. And productivity rises as companies are forced to use the workers they have ever more efficiently. All of this was happening at the pizza shop on Saturday, and is happening in the U.S. economy today. Despite a tick-up in the unemployment rate in June, on a quarterly basis over the past year, the unemployment rate has fallen by a further four-tenths of a percent. Year-over-year wage growth for production of non-supervisory workers has accelerated from 2.3% to 2.7%. The labor force participation rate, adjusted for changes in the age of the population, has risen by four-tenths of a percent. And, based on our current estimates of 5% annualized real GDP growth for the second quarter, output per worker has grown by a healthy 1.7%. However, it's important to note how differently the economy is behaving late in this economic cycle compared to earlier in the expansion and in previous expansions. First, despite a recent acceleration in economic growth, the pace of decline in the unemployment rate has diminished. This just reflects the fact that below a certain level, unemployment represents a non-cyclical job churn within the economy, as people move to different locations, get fired, or enter and re-enter the labor market. Trees don't grow to the sky, and the unemployment rate won't fall to zero. In fact, it's unlikely to fall below 3%, and its pace of decline is slowing as it approaches this limit. Second, wage growth remains surprisingly weak. Close to the end of the 1990s expansion, in the year that ended in the second quarter of 2000, and with the unemployment rate at similar levels to today, average hourly earnings rose by 3.9%. Even after deducting CPI inflation of 3.3%, this amounted to a real wage gain of six-tenths of a percent. By contrast, this Thursday's CPI report should show inflation of 2.8% year-over-year, meaning that, despite a super-tight labor market, real wages are actually lower than they were a year ago. By the way, on this point, there have been articles written suggesting that companies are paying more in benefits to lower workers. However, the data don't back up this argument either. In recent years, the growth in private industry benefit costs has actually trailed behind the growth in wage costs. Third, for workers of a given age, labor force participation rates have risen as expected. 
However, it is sobering to recognize that a four-tenths of a percent rise in the age-adjusted labor force participation rate over the past year resulted in an unchanged actual labor force participation rate, as the movement of the baby boom generation into traditional retirement years continues to depress participation rates. Finally, productivity growth is surging, but this is in part due to surging demand. In a pizza shop short of workers, a resourceful manager will find some way to make and deliver the pies. And statistically, one of the strongest drivers of total factor productivity has been the growth in real GDP itself. However, the recent surge in demand has been driven in large part by fiscal stimulus that's unlikely to be further amplified in 2019. And next year, with a limited labor supply, higher interest rates, and a diminishing boost from fiscal policy, economic growth is likely to slow. And as it does, so will productivity growth. For workers, today's economy has many positives. While real wages are still not rising, a tight labor market has given jobs to many people who had been unemployed in a more normal economy. The remarkable ability of firms to lure more workers back into the labor force and get stronger productivity gains from them without raising wages is a clear positive for profits. Meanwhile, a lack of significant wage inflation is allowing the Federal Reserve to take its time in normalizing monetary policy. All of this is a positive for the stock market and not too negative for the bond market right now. However, over the next year, demand growth will likely slow, wage growth will likely accelerate, and competent workers will become even harder to find. For the manager of my local pizza shop, the most stressful days are yet to come. This should also make for a tougher climate for both U.S. stocks and bonds, highlighting the importance of focusing on better security and sector selection, maintaining portfolio balance, and attaining appropriate international diversification. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.